Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi alongside me, Taylor Dammel, and The Shark. We're brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. Your College Hooper of the Week, Cole Aldrich, former Kansas big man. You might be wondering why I'm choosing Cole Aldrich, because we're about two, two and a half years deep into this program, and I wouldn't be surprised if I already used him in previous episodes he's also not the most obscure name i think a lot of people do remember how good he was at kansas i was trying to go the christmas route though guys and it's so easy to just go with deontay christmas or akeem christmas i might have used one of them in the past couple of christmas episodes but i went with cole emphasis on the cole and we'll turn to some positivity but cole aldrich He's your college hooper of the week. We're brought to you by Royal Digital Marketing, a.k.a. RDM. RDM specializes in website development and digital marketing for small businesses and startups. So if you need a website, contact them at Colin at RoyalDigital.co. That's C-O-L-I-N at RoyalDigital.co. Check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. Welcome back. Christmas, the holidays are nearing. I hope a lot of, well, Taylor, I mean, I know you're not in the rat race, but uh, I hope a lot of your coworkers and, and, and I don't know, people that you have to answer to are taking some time off so you can really truly mail it in, which is what I've been experiencing. Taylor, you're shaking your head no. Yeah, my rat race is when your rat race doesn't exist because I have to then find, those people have to find the time to then hop into my race. So, yeah. 
I have someone who just requested a showing uh, at 2 p.m. on Christmas Eve. So uh, my rat race is the opposite of your guys' rat race. Let's put it that way. That sucks. Shark, uh, I hope you've been able to check out. Where are you off to for the holidays? Are you sticking around? You 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 going to, to a nice sunnier place? Uh, yeah, eventually. I'll be I'll be in Boston for for the holidays and then get out of Boston. Idiots. <laughs> who's who's the idiots? Both of you. Why? Are we getting into it already? Uh, just are. Oh, go ahead. Get it off your chest. Can I actually just first say I got a nice glass of eggnog going? Can I interest wow. you both in some eggnog? Not an eggnog guy. I know you are <laughs> huge on the eggnog, but I'm not an eggnog guy. All right. Let's dive into the playbill. We obviously have to talk about this matchup. Arizona, Tennessee. Arizona comes out on top in Tucson. Shark, I'm going to take a step back, give you the stage. Thoughts, reactions uh, on both sides. I mean, obviously you guys saw, I was tweeted about this game on Saturday night. I came away from it. I understand that Arizona won the game. I understand that they were the victors. Um, I also understand that Tennessee wasn't at full strength. And I understand that they had a ton of favors go their way during the game. So obviously Tennessee shot 27, excuse me, Arizona shot 27 free throws, made 24 of them, didn't get any bench points. Tennessee didn't have uh, their most crucial player in Josiah Jordan. James didn't play. Tennessee shot 10 free throws. It was a one point game with about a minute to go. So, you know, Arizona fans, they can be happy about it. I came away from it not very impressed with their performance. Um, you know, you can, is, is, is JJJ your most crucial player? I feel like oh, yeah, that's the first sure. time I've heard you say that. When we went on our run last year, he was the most crucial player. He's by far our best defender. Um, he, he's a senior at this point. He can defend multiple spots. It would have been nice to have him on Tubelis. So Tubelis didn't crush us the way he did. Uh, I, I just really wasn't I, Courtney Ramey. I, I mean, we can talk about what happened after the game. I understand Ziegler got in his face, but you know, he put himself over there in the first place. He's, I, I, I expected a little more out of him and you got your guy, Kerr uh, at this point, I'm just going to call him Kerr Krispy Kreme because that guy is getting fat. All right. He is getting fatter as every which week we can see him. Well, that's uh, true. That's I true. And I, I don't, I don't believe that. He's getting a little pudgy. You know I'm right. You can look at him. He's pudgy out there. He shoots about one for eight every single game. I loved him last year, as you know. He was a guy that I hitched my wagon to. But he, if you guys don't go far in the tournament, he is the reason. Because he wants to be – he plays hero ball. He wants to be the, the focal point of everything that's going with your team. And it's very obvious that Tubelis is your best player. You know how I feel about Larson, who didn't shoot well, but somehow got to the free throw line 10 times. But, hey, we're, we're going to just set that one aside. It's a game in December. Happy you guys won. I think if this game's played on a neutral court in, you know, Raleigh, North Carolina in March, Tennessee wipes the floor with you. That's my opinion. Raleigh's an interesting uh, neutral court location, by the way. Down Play it 100 <laughs> miles from campus. Yes. Then very neutral court there. All right. Where, do you, want, where do you want to go? You want to go to Minneapolis or something? I'll, I'll go where you guys want to go. Let's I go just... to Vegas then, or let's go to Phoenix. There's a neutral court. That's about the no. same distance for Raleigh. Yeah, let's, I, let's play a neutral court in Phoenix. Minneapolis, actually, we should go to Alaska. Taylor, speaking of Alaska, what did you think about this game? <laughs> speaking of Alaska. Um yeah, I mean, I thought the game went pretty much as expected. Arizona's size is just going to take over no matter what game or who they play. They have the best set of bigs probably in the country. And, I mean, even if you disagree with that, 
it'd be hard to put them outside of the top three. Um, Soup, you said earlier about starting the Azulas Tubelas uh, All-American train. That's been done, started. In fact, I think uh, a very significant podcast that let's call them our competition put out a poll for the National Player of the Year yesterday or two days ago. And Azulas Tubelas was one of their three choices for that. Um, and I think that's well warranted. I mean, this guy has every skill offensively that you'd ever want. Um, he's putting in a little, not that he didn't previous years, but he's putting in effort all over the floor. There's no better uh, rim running or in transition big in the country than Tubelis. Him and Umar Balo are the number one and two scorers in the Pac-12 right now, and they're number one and two rebounders in the Pac-12. So, I mean, when you go up against that, that's going to, create more fouls and this isn't supposed to be anything against Tennessee because I really like Tennessee and I think they're very good but their bigs just the ones that were out there at least specifically just aren't nearly as skilled as Arizona's bigs are I I don't think that's like really that argumentative to say the only defense that Plopsich had was trying to muck it up and get in Valo's face like that and even Rick Barnes is tired of his antics that's a direct quote and that worked well. Yeah, Rick Barnes, who's one and nine against Arizona in his career. I think he's got two and nine, two and nine. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, there was shit after the game, but it was no different than last year's game at in Knoxville. Uh, it, it was the same exact situation last year. Um, I will. I do want to talk about the bench, though, uh, a little bit. Uh, they didn't score, but I actually felt that uh, they played well in terms of within the team offense and also defensively. Kylan Boswell, who's a freshman and is only 17 or just maybe turned 18, was the best defender that uh, Zakai Ziegler saw uh, on uh, Saturday night there. He actually defended him quite well. Um, he, you know, only saw eight minutes. Kylan Boswell did. But uh, Henry Visar also made a couple good passes, pretty good looks for a guy who's seven feet and, and is a freshman. So I'm not quite as concerned about the bench as it goes forward. Uh, as Shark alluded to, it is just December, so sometimes these guys need to get into it a little bit. I thought they, I thought they played within the offense and the defense just fine. So I'm not necessarily concerned about the points. Adama Ball looked a little lost out there. Um, he hasn't had a great con- season, which is a little concern. Well, he played great against Indiana. He hit three three That's threes true. against Indiana. So I mean, you know, you can't expect this guy to go off against every ranked opponent that he plays. Um, yeah, I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched. I love the uh, number one defense versus number one offense in the country. Um, I, I, I just think that, you know, the, the complaint that Shark has about getting called for uh, more fouls is just going to be what every team's going to complain about against Arizona this year. I mean, when another team is bigger, straight up bigger than you significantly, and when you have two bigs who are all conference players, maybe one or two of them being all American, not first team all American, but all American candidates in some degree. Like that's just, that's just what's going to happen. Um, you know, obviously they didn't have Jeremiah, Jeremiah, Jordan James, who's awesome. Uh, I, I, I get that. Like I, I, I really like Tennessee. I think Tennessee is going to go far. I think that, you know, Ziegler having his career high in points is, is, is great for them going forward. Um, you know, I think a lot of people like to focus on Kirk Crease's shooting stats when in reality, you know, obviously that's we do want him to shoot better, but he's a great whether you people want to admit this or not at this point in his career, he's a great college point guard. He runs the show. He is second in the conference in assists. I mean, he he's got a great assist to turnover ratio. 
he's the, he's the villain, and usually we don't see the villain. He's the villain in college basketball. I think at this point, we are we had that discussion last year uh, about how he was going to potentially grow. Let's call it into that, and and that's what he is. And it it, it excites me that he pisses off uh, opposing fan bases to this degree because Subi and I have talked about for our what is it fucking 15 years of call of, of Arizona fanhood. We've always been hoping for a guy that can be the, the, uh, the villain, right? Maybe not to the degree where he's the national villain, right? But like, give me someone that's hated or that causes this type of uh, reaction from opposing fan bases. So, no, I mean, I think the game went as it, as I expected it to would be great to have uh, this in a neutral court. Um, I don't exactly understand why, Creasa has gotten two technicals in back-to-back years against Tennessee that literally had nothing to do with anything that wasn't directed at anyone or anything on the court. I think that's kind of strange. Um, and they were momentum changing uh, situations. So um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't really think that there's a lot to complain other than the fact that like this could be an elite eight type of matchup. I think both teams have proved that so far this year. I think that matchup the other day proved it. I, I, I think it was a, what you expect and what you hope for in every high major college basketball matchup. Shark, go ahead. Jump in. I just say a couple of responses to that. One, the guy that was defending when Ziegler, you mentioned it, Taylor. Ziegler had the best game of his year, lit it up from the floor. So he clearly can't be that good of a defender. Two, Kirk Creasa, Kirk Krispy Kreme. There's been plenty of pudgy guys that have been villains and good basketball players out there. So I'm not saying that he doesn't have the capability to do it as a pudgy guy. You look at Sean May, you look at Khalid El-Amin, you look at LeVance Fields, you look at all these guys. It's okay to be pudgy and chubby and pretty good at the game. That's fine. Those um, comps are absurd. I'm just going off the body type. Of body guys. type, those comps yeah. are absurd. But go ahead. Also, hold on. I'm not, I'm not trying to interrupt, well, Stark. I, I'm but not he trying keeps to growing. That's my point. He keeps getting I'm, bigger. I'm not trying to interrupt. Kylan Boswell only played eight minutes, and then oh, those eight minutes were for Ziegler's. I'm not trying to say it was an extended well, that, period of time. Up. In the time that he was on the court, he defended Ziegler at, better than anyone else that was on the court. So it wasn't for an extended period of Too time. Sure. I'm just saying that in his time on the court, that was probably the best uh, that he was defended the entire time. Touche. And to the, you know, you're, the whole, you're, we're bigger than everyone. We're always going to get the fouls. That's my whole point with JJJ. JJJ would match up with Tubelis. JJJ would not foul a lot in Tubelis. JJJ wouldn't send Tubelis to the free throw line however many times he went. Pele Larson shot nine free throws. So it wasn't just your big guys dominating Plavsic and dominating Kumwa and all that. It was, you know, just these random fouls that were sending you to the free throw line repeatedly. And Tennessee wasn't getting the same whistle. So you won the game. You should have won the game without our best player. I don't think it's a testament as to you being a significantly better team than us. You know, I think the rankings reflect that as well. You know, Ken Palm, everything is still saying it. We're both going to have good teams. I know my team chokes. I know your team chokes. We're very similar. At the end of the day, you look around, you go to, you ever been to Kashmir, India and Pakistan? They could walk up to that line. They're just, they fight over this their entire lives, but they may. You get one guy from one side and another guy from the other side, you come together, you can look at each other and say, you know what? Maybe we're not so different, you and I. That could be us right now, because I don't think that we're far off from different uh, in terms of a skill level, but I'm not impressed with you. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to push back on Jeremiah Jordan James that hard because I – Yeah, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. My yeah. bad, my bad. Um, too many J's. But, I mean, I he is 6'6 and shooting 37% from the field this year. Averaging a, 8.8. Defense I, is his, yeah. I, I know, but he's still only 6'6. So, like, that means he's still, like, eight inches or, shorter than 
Umar Balo. So I Probably I know that covered Balo. Plopsic would cover Balo. Yeah. Which worked well. So I mean I don't I'm not trying to say that like he's not good because I like him a lot. I like all of Tennessee's team a lot, but I, I'm just not seeing that like if a guy who is still significantly that much difference in size, like it's a significant difference in size is going to make all that much difference considering Tubelis has done that against every person that he's played. Obviously Tennessee's better right. with Actually, him out there. He, he didn't do it against the exact guy we're talking about when they played last year. When Arizona was called for the most fouls they've been called since the late nineties, but yeah, it was the ref's fault that, okay, you know, yeah. Tennessee lost this. this well, time I mean, look, look at the free throw discrepancy from last year. Look at the fact that Josiah Jordan James did cover Tabellus last year. So if you want to say who was drawing the fouls, it was this guy doing it against him. So here's the deal. All right, let's take a step back. I'm going to look at this, this two year stretch of Arizona, Tennessee, uh, as a whole, both games, very similar. Okay. And both fan bases have very similar feelings after each of their losses. Number one, similarity. The home team got the better whistle, for sure. You can justify it however you want, but at the end of the day, Arizona fans should absolutely feel happy, almost fortunate to have gotten that whistle. Tennessee fans are the exact same way last year, though. Shark, you talk about the free throw discrepancy, but if we even go back to the Tennessee or TCU-Arizona game, TCU shot more free throws, uh, I believe, or there, was, there wasn't, I think Arizona got called for more fouls, and you were telling me, no, well, it's the timing of those fouls. It's who's getting fouled, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I don't know. Which side are you on uh, in, in that argument? Okay, three players, three very important players fouled out for Arizona last year. It's, it's perfectly okay for those fans uh, to be upset about it. But what I find ridiculous for both fan bases is to put the loss squarely on the refs in both scenarios. Uh these teams are incredibly even. You said that yourself, Shark. Uh, so I'm having a tough time reconciling this, and I want to get your thoughts. If both teams are very even, and you say Arizona's not impressive to you, does that also mean Tennessee's not impressive to you? Well, that's my whole point. You can't judge Tennessee right now because it doesn't have one of its most crucial players. So if you were to remove a Balo, or if you were to remove a Tabellus, or if you were to remove a Krispy Kreme, then I think you guys would be not playing at the level that you are right now. So that is my thesis. You know, I've typed up the paper. I, I you know, I, you know, put two periods after uh, two spaces after each period to make the paper look longer. I just wanted it handed it into the professor and I'm waiting for the grade and the grade's going to come out later in the year when Tennessee's got a full roster. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, obviously we can't dwell on both the fouls and the personnel, but Arizona, I mean, Azulis Tabellis, we've talked about how, how awesome he really was. Tennessee, some encouraging stuff. Shot very well on the road in a hostile environment. Probably one of the most hostile environments you'll play in all year. Uh, obviously, you have in-conference matchups as well. But I was impressed with Tennessee shooting. If you can shoot like that, we'll see how they, how they do in the tournament. Um, but Arizona, I do believe, is the better team. And I've, and you mentioned this, we saw this in the, in the rankings five versus eight, they basically flipped. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy that we were able to get this, uh, the last two years shark. I will say though, you better have those, those cookies and, and fruit snacks ready for us before the season ends. Uh, it was cupcakes by the way. So I, I will, um, I will, I've never really baked anything in my life. So this will be a new experience. I lost the bet. I accept that I lost the bet. And look, buddy, this was a this was a tough weekend, right? I mean, obviously, this game happened. Celtics lost to the Magic twice. Commanders go down. 
my CrossFit gym's got me doing all these handstand push-ups and wall walks. I'm getting all bluey in the head. I can't keep up. I'm, you know, I'm having a rough time right now, but I'll make your freaking cupcakes by the end of the year. Jeez, even at the CrossFit gym, they're making just put his left hand down. That's a tough. That's a tough weekend right there. So I will say, and Shark, I do want your thoughts on this because Arizona, previous to Tommy Lloyd, was more similar to Tennessee is now with Sean Miller, very defensive based to hold teams to 60 plus points a game or 60 or less points a game, so on and so forth. Right. If you look at all of our tournament losses with Sean Miller, it's because we couldn't score the basketball when the time was right. So uh, you can say Jeremiah, Josiah, Jordan, James needs to be out there, all that. I mean, that didn't help them last year in the tournament. Right. So where where are these buckets coming from in tournament time? Just because that Subi and I have dealt dealt with that for a ten year stretch, where we were in the we're going into the tournament, we're highly ranked. We're saying, hey, we're going to shut everybody down. But if that doesn't happen, or a bucket needs to be uh, you know scored, how's that? Where is that coming from, Tennessee? I just want to know. I I legitimately want to know because that's what I struggle with with picking uh, picking Tennessee through the tournament uh, to go far. I know they can shut people down, but if they need a bucket especially seeing what like the Scobie did this last game, like where are they getting that from? I'll tell you what, buddy, that's one of the best questions you've ever asked. I can't really give you an answer to that. I mean, can we, how do we cure hunger? Right. You feel like we could do that if we can answer that one. The hope going into the season was the guy that put up a, didn't score from the field against you guys, Julian Phillips, the five-star, the next Stacey Ogman would be able to be that guy that clearly that has not emerged of, of yet. So maybe that will happen. Kennedy Chandler was very similar. He played terrible against you guys last year. He did turn the corner going into the new year. So maybe that'll happen with Phillips. Um, you know, Ziegler, this was really his first big game for us. So hopefully he's there, but he's limited. I mean, he's a little guy out there. He's got the heart of a lion willing to go at Ramey being, you know, six inches shorter than him and against anyone else. But, you know, scoring for Tennessee is the story. I think it is very comparable to an Arizona, a, a Sean Miller, Arizona team. And they got to figure it out. Vescovy's got to knock down some shots, man. I mean, at some point you got to put up or shut up time. And there isn't a lot of guys that can create their own shot. Josiah Jordan James is not a guy that can create his own shot. So I'm kind of with you on that point. But you need you need Vescovy. You need Phillips to turn a corner. And the, really the one guy that I think was emerging at the beginning of the year when we played Gonzaga on a neutral court and beat the piss out of him, it's, it was the Tyree Key. So Key, who put up a lot of shots against you guys, it didn't really go down, but he does seem to have that. Sometimes you can just watch basketball players. You can tell whether or not they can score or not. He is one of those guys. He's a transfer from Indiana State, but maybe he will, maybe he won't. So you're laughing at me. Wasn't that in a scrimmage? Yeah, it was in a scrimmage. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Look, uh, fine. Uh, There's been a lot of vitriol between us the last couple days, and we saw that play out on Twitter, and we've been texting and whatnot. So we'll put this one to rest. That was a lot of fun the last two years. Actually, uh, put it to rest just temporarily. Shark, we could do this again in February. You know what's happening in February? Taylor, you too? Arizona baseball opens up with Tennessee and Scottsdale. Got that that fiery manager of yours, huh? I can't wait to see my Twitter mentions from all these people uh, from nice the Appalachian area that bleed orange that are super down to earth, earth, normal folks. Can't wait to, uh, uh, you don't have to worry about me. I don't care about college baseball. So I'm, uh, I wonder, I wonder if uh, Tennessee's assistant coach 
is going to be tweeting about that game or if any of Tennessee's fan base is still going to try to find my address and fight me. We'll yeah. see in February. Yeah. Well, what a series. What a series. All right, let's move on now. Kansas, Indiana. I still like Indiana. I hate to say it. Uh, I still like Indiana. They got boat raced. This is always going to be a tough game going into Lawrence. Nobody wins in Lawrence. Uh, Indi- I think the biggest concern for a lot of people is that Indiana just got demolished. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis had an all right game, 13 points, nine blocks, which is really impressive, uh, and six boards. But much like the Arizona game in Vegas, it just it felt like everything was work for him. It took it took a ton for him to to get going. And then the point guard position for the Hoosiers is officially an issue uh, for them. Xavier Johnson got hurt in that game. It didn't look very good initially. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what the reports are here, but my big takeaway, Kansas, look, the college basketball is impossible to forecast if a team's going to repeat. They look as good as any in recent memory to do exactly that, though. They look great. Indiana, I'm not terribly worried about them too much. They're going to tumble in the rankings a little bit. Let's see how they do in Big Ten play. Like I said, Kansas is an almost impossible place to play in college basketball, uh, but they need to figure out that point guard position, and TJD needs to have faster starts. I think they can do a better job of getting him the ball early. Shark, any takeaways from this uh, Blue Blood matchup? I don't really like Indiana, and this goes back to – the second half they played against you guys. I was pretty impressed with the way you guys defended him in the second half. TJD, like, does he play well anywhere other than Bloomington? I, I Like, he literally just disappears um, when it's not the whole crowd rallying behind him. So I, I'm not very impressed with them. The point guard issues that you pointed out are certainly there. Just the shot-making ability for someone to create their own shot off the dribble. Um, you know, the I don't see it with Indiana. They don't play defense like they should as well. So Kansas, impressive win. I think Brady Dick's the real deal, uh, but I, I don't. I'm not with you on Indiana. Totally agree with that. Uh, TJD, it's cool that he can score like 30 points against Xavier. This ver- this version of Xavier currently, and 20 points against Morehead State, and all those games. But like back to back against the type of game or the type of opponents he's going to face if he wants to be a national player of the year candidate, which I'm already completely out on him being a like an all American or a national player of the year candidate. I mean, he scored what 13, 11 and 13. Uh, I mean, he only took eight shots against Kansas. Like if you're supposed to be him, if your pronoun is him, then you can't be taking 19 shots across two games against top 10 opponents and only scoring like 24 combined points. Like, that's that's you can't do that so his only good game against a good opponent let's call it is exactly what shark just said against north carolina if we're calling them good but that was at assembly hall at like in a prime time game and even so i mean i'm not trying to say this was a bad game 21 and 10 is obviously an awesome game in college basketball but i i I'm kind of going to push back on youtube i don't see this with indiana at this point um it's an to me or to you know to us Arizona fans, it's a little unfortunate that apparently every good team we play this year just decides to shit the bed uh, for the next three weeks after, after. So Tennessee, I'm I'm super rooting for Tennessee at this point because every other good team that Arizona has played so far has absolutely fallen off a cliff afterwards. But I I don't see it with Trace Jackson Davis at this point. And I, I mean, I think we talked about this in our preview episode. Um, I don't 
I mean, I that there's a reason I didn't pick Indiana to to win that conference, and I think we're seeing that right now. It's just I I think they're good. They'll still be above, you know, well above 500. They'll beat the teams that they should, but they're not gonna they're not gonna go on the road and pull out a victory, you know, with with Trey Jackson Davis scoring 30 points or something like that. I just don't see that right now with them. Well, so maybe I should have added a layer to my explanation and you kind of wrapped it up nicely there, Taylor. They are good, but they're not elite. And the two games and the sample size you guys are mentioning are essentially, essentially two road games against top five teams in Kansas and Arizona. All right, let's cut them a little slack here. Am I saying that they're an elite team? No, definitely not. But they are definitely still good enough to win the Big Ten. I don't see Purdue running the table or anything like that. I think a lot of this uh, view on TJD is, yeah, he hasn't been aggressive. But at the same time, like I said, I think Indiana needs to do a far better job of getting him the ball. And Mike Woodson needs to draw up plays where he's the main guy. All right. I, I, I don't need Miller Cop. I don't need uh, Trey, Trey Galloway. All right. Get the ball to TJD. He's a preseason All-American for a reason. But I think another reason why a lot of people might be looking at TJD in this light is, I don't want to say the emergence of Zach Eady, but did anyone sort of see Zach Eady being this good? I mean, we're talking like 22 and 12. He And we're talking to Bellis as an All-American or National Player of the Year. Right now it is Zach Eady in a bit of a runaway. Zach Eady has been the best player in college basketball on the best team. So I'm looking for Purdue to maybe come down a little bit to earth. Indiana, again, the reason I'm holding reservation on them is because they did play two incredibly elite opponents uh, in, in uh, obviously one in Vegas and then the other in the toughest place, arguably, to play uh, in the entire country. So I'm not ready to sell yet on Indiana. I still like them, and I still have have hope for TJD. Biggest concern, though, is is the point guard issue there. Well, but I'm going to ask you this: like, so if if he's supposed to be improving, or you know, playing better against other teams, and he has to go up against teams that now have like the best player in the country, Zachy, I can't see that going any better for him. Right? Well, I mean, okay. uh, lose, I don't think I'm off base. You I, lose I, games I, to Zach Eady. What? I I don't know if there's another a lot of other big men in the Big Ten. Oh that no, take I, over I'm CJD. just I'm just saying if he's Hunter, supposed to be pre Hunter Dickinson, Zach yeah, Vigans, I think all. I, I think all those guys are better than TJD. Yeah, if he's supposed to be preseason All-American potential national player of the year, it can't just because it can't just be like, oh, well, they played good opponents and he didn't play that well. I'm not. I know played, that's not. No, they're not just. I know good that's. Opponents, I know. Though. I, I know think that, he could. I, no, I, I know that's not exactly on, what you're. Hang on. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, he, go ahead. They're gonna beat. I think they'll beat Michigan. Michigan's not very good. They're not in the tournament as it stands today. Hunter Dickinson, get your points. Fine. But I think Indiana's gonna beat them, and that goes to that goes to my point of them not being dead. Uh, so I, yeah, Zach Eadie's a better player. Fine. They may go 0 two against Purdue. Uh, but outside of that, I, I don't think that it, there's a ton to be concerned about, uh, for Indiana. Maybe, I mean, they turned the ball over quite a bit. They got to clean that up shot shot making. Yes. But again, it's tough to make shots in those venues. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with them. I'm going to stick with the Hoosiers. All right. Let's move on now to another blue blood matchup. UCLA, Kentucky, Taylor, I'll start with you. Big takeaways uh, for either side. Count me completely wrong on UCLA. I'll, I'll tell you that. I thought they were pretty good, uh, but not necessarily as good as I, that they had been predicted to be this year. I, I think I can already confidently say in the same uh, 
same voice that I said that I'm not confident in Indiana to say that I was completely wrong on how good UCLA is. Um, they looked every bit the part of a team that's supposed to be a Final Four candidate. Um, you know, Hawkins scored 19. Uh, they held Kentucky to, you know, was this their season low in points, I believe. Um, and as much as I want to compliment uh, UCLA, I think Kentucky's got some big problems. I don't, I haven't watched any of their games this year and thought to myself, Oh man, this is a, this is a super talented, great team. And if you look at, uh, I believe actually uh, there were a number of Tennessee fans that were tweeting about this over the last uh, couple days. But if you look at Kentucky over the last few years, they're severely under 500 against uh, ranked opponents. I think something like five and 18, if someone can fact check, I, I, I think it's something in that. That's not the exact number I'm sure, but it's significantly under 500. And even against power five non-conference opponents, I think they're under 500 over the last few years. So um, we always hear, you know, we always joke about, you know, Calipari, like if they're just, they're just kids, you know, but at this point, they're not pulling the classes that they did five to 10 years ago. And so they don't just have that talent that's there now that they can just, I don't want to say that they were just rolling the ball out. That's not what I mean, but like they won a lot of games over the years on talent alone. And I think I saw someone tweet about this. I don't know who it was, but like roster composition matters, right? It's not just, Hey, let's pull like the seven best players that we can and, and, and put them all out there. You know, you look at a Tennessee, you look at an Arizona, you, you know, you look at a UCLA, these teams, all their pieces fit together well. And I just don't see that with Kentucky. So UCLA definitely proved me wrong. They're they're They are better than I gave them credit for uh, my overarching thought on this is I think Kentucky has some real problems because I just don't see how that roster is going to pull together cohesively to make this uh, to make any type of run in the SEC. And I think when you play like an older cohesive team, like a Tennessee, like they're going to Tennessee is going to shut them down to Kentucky's old though. Kentucky's old. They, yeah, it's true. Okay, you know, you're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. But I'm they're just not. saying their their classes haven't their classes running up to this haven't been what people want to quote unquote think Kentucky is. And so I think they think it's like, oh yeah, they've got Boogie Cousins and John Wall and all these guys out there, and that's just not the talent level that this team is. And I, I think, agree. I, yeah. I mean, they're go ahead. They, go ahead. Obviously, they got Shebway. They Severe Wheelers back again. They brought in CJ Frederick, who they thought was going to play a lot, but he only played six minutes, and his minutes are even dwindling beyond that. Then they got Toppin's brother. They they really the one dude, Antonio Reeves, that's a transfer from Illinois State. He's a fifth year senior, so it's not your your you know your. You're right. Little, you're right. Yeah, they yeah. are a lot older than I'm. Than I'm. It's getting not your. You're right. You know our your little cousins, your older cousins, Kentucky anymore. I mean, this is a different team, and there's you're you're right about them not being very good. I mean, they sucked against UCLA. They can't couldn't get a bucket to save their lives. Cheapway can't just dominate people that are you know similar size to him. And UCLA is just the same. You know, they had a huge week. Obviously, they beat Maryland. They pound Maryland, and then they have this game. But that they're UCLA. They're going to be the exact same product that we're going to see in March, and it's just a matter of not matter of whether they're going to win those crucial games when it comes down to it. Kentucky, I am not impressed with them whatsoever. If you were to rack and stack the SEC teams, the Arkansas, the Alabamas, you know, the Tennessees, and even like the Auburns at this point, I, I would put them all above Kentucky. Yeah, I, I have to hand up. 
I was wrong about Kentucky, or so it would seem today. Even about a week, week and a half ago, I said, look, I'm still riding with Kentucky. I still think that they have, again, this was a week, week and a half ago. That may have even been too late, but I was like, they might still get to the Final Four. I think they're good enough to do that. Uh, right now, they just look completely lost. I will say I was right about UCLA. They are so nasty. They're amazing. Uh, Jaime Hawkes, I, I talked about him after the Maryland game on our bonus episode. The guy's throwback game is it's it's just beautiful. It's it's prettier than the Northern Lights, the Aurora Borealis, Taylor. I know you know about that. But Jaime Hawkes is really incredible. Uh, Kentucky, I think it just seems like they need Shibway to go God mode in order for them to have any sort of chance. And you talk about roster construction. That sucks because Shibway comes back for this year. Obviously, NIL had a lot to do with it, but he's probably licking his chops saying, I got another year of Savir. I got Jacob Toppin. And Jacob Toppin, he has not found the stroke. He, he's got to be one of the most frustrating guys for Kentucky fans to root for. And I'm glad you also brought up, Taylor, their record against ranked opponents. Uh, the reason why this leash is getting shorter and shorter amongst fans with Calipari and make no mistake about it. They're upset at him. The reason it's getting shorter and shorter is not just because they haven't had in recent memory, huge success in the tournament, which is final fours, but now they're not even beating the good teams or like the decent teams. Right. So I mentioned a, a, a team like Indiana going up against Kansas. I don't have any expectations for them to go into Lawrence and win. I have some expectations for Kentucky to beat. UCLA, that's not that far-fetched. UCLA is really good, but it's not that far-fetched for Kentucky to win these games. Who have they, they've, they've lost now to, let's see, Michigan State, Gonzaga, and UCLA. This is a down year for both, uh, well, I don't know if it's down year necessarily for Michigan State, certainly for Gonzaga. And UCLA, they're, they're good, but they're not a top-four team right now. Okay, when they play them. And those were all, I believe, on neutral sites. Maybe the Zags was in basically Washington. But the leash is getting shorter because Kentucky can't even beat these guys, right? So if you're not getting to those two or one seed lines to even have the opportunity to get upset by a St. Peter's, that's sort of when the uh, patience grows very thin for Big Blue Nation. They they simply got to get so much more out of Wheeler and, and Jacob Toppin. That's that's it. Either that or just say, Oscar Shibway, put us on your back. But I think that's unfair to the big man. Well, and let me just highlight that Gonzaga game. The amount of bitching that Calipari did about, oh, we can't play in little gyms because we sell out too many games and we have to play in neutral sites. And even if it's in the same, ta- same town, because I believe they actually played at the uh, Spokane Arena um, rather than at, uh, I think, they, I it think wasn't they played in, in the Spokane. It was right, right, not right. in Which the kettle. I just know maybe that. maybe doesn't make a difference, right? But the fact that he is saying that, and then you can't just do that and then lose all of your quote unquote neutral site games. Um, the radio hits. Did you guys pick this up this week on all the radio hits from uh, Kentucky's fan base? We on heard local a call radio. Oh, so apparently today, or as people are listening to this yesterday. Only two hosts hopped on their local radio show, and they, they took all callers today. I haven't had time to see how that turned out, but I would imagine that's pretty interesting. So I want to throw this to Shark real quick because he said this on a previous episode. My only gripe, if there is a gripe with UCLA, is I don't think Tiger Campbell is as good as people want to make him out to be. 
He's shooting like 39% from the floor this year. He's only averaging four something assists. I mean, his, his turnover ratio is okay. It's like two to one. Um, I'm just not sure for him being, is he a real senior? He's a real senior, right? This year, I think. Uh, I'm not sure. He's 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 been there forever. But. It's all lost in the mud on what senior year anybody is to this point. But I'm not quite sure he's as good as people have made him out to be over the course of his college career. And I know, Shark, I think on a previous episode, you said that he is like the prototypical or like the preeminent like college best, basketball best guard I'm, in the country. I'm just, I, I don't, I don't really see that from him. He's, he's a very, very high level, uh, you know, college point guard. I, I understand, but I think going that far to say he's like the guy, the guard is, is a little much. And I think we've seen that this year. I don't know. No, what, I don't know. I, I don't agree. I don't agree. And I, I, I his stats aren't going to be there. It's not about the stats for me. It's about the timely buckets, about having a bucket when you need it, always making the smart play in second halves and making winning plays. So I, I still am not aware of another guard. I mean, maybe Marcus Sasser, but Sasser is so inconsistent. I mean, he's put, he just chucks threes. That's really what he does. If they go in great, if not, I mean, he's a liability for you. As you saw against the Alabama game, he didn't do anything. So with Tiger Campbell, it is every single game consistent in the fourth quarter. He will make a crucial mid-range jumper for you, just like he did in this Kentucky game as well. So uh, I just I'm standing on my Tiger Campbell mountain. Can great I? Fourth, can great I? Fourth quarter, great fourth quarter play. Player. Can I? Uh, can I raise you, Dewan Harris? I know you like Dewan Harris. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Good conversation. Race. It's a fair I'll- race. Hold on. Can I jump in here quick and tell an embarrassing Subi story real quick? Uh, back to the uh, 2011 basketball season in Tucson when Subi turned to me. And uh, what did you say to me? Did you say what? I just <laughs> referenced something in about I, I referenced like the third or fourth quarter. You got to work on your storytelling, pal. I'm sorry. Uh, but I, I had, knew it existed. I knew it existed because you yeah. cowered. You cowered back right at well, the same thing. You were like, oh, no. I had a few Chardonnays prior to that game. All right. I'm willing to admit that, but uh, UCLA, Kentucky, uh, another great blue blood game, but Kentucky bit troubling Uh, shark. You mentioned Marcus Sasser. They end up beating Virginia. He actually had a decent game Cougars and and their fans certainly waiting for him to get going. I think their guards really got going against the Cavaliers Uh, shark. What were your thoughts on Houston going into Charlottesville and winning statement win? Statement win, be able to show up like that, bounce back, also into a tough environment. I know Reese Beekman was a little banged up, but Houston is the team for me right now going forward. They was close in the first half. They wiped them out in the second half. And, you know, to be able to beat a Virginia team that's – I wouldn't even call it overachieving. I think Virginia is just pretty damn good this year. Um, Beekman, again, is, is crucial for them, and he was a little hobbled while he was out there. But I think it was a huge win for Houston – and they should roll at this point. Is there a more undervalued basketball program in the country right now than Houston? Even last year. I mean, even they, two years ago. No, that's, that's what I was just about to say is that um, they have been at worst a top five program in the country for the last three to five years. I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say that. Am I? Anyone push back on that? Well, not last year. I mean, there were a five seed last year. But if you're saying that they were one of the five best teams, yeah. But I mean, over uh, the last last handful of years, they're just not getting any of the credit. I feel like nationally um, that they should. And and talk about you know we we always talk about as we should Virginia's defense. 
I mean, Houston shot 49%, only turned the ball over eight, eight times against one of the best defensive teams in college basketball, one of the best defensive programs in the last decade in college basketball. You're going to win a lot of basketball games if you shoot 50% from the field and only turn the ball over eight times, especially if it's on the road at another top five opponent. I couldn't think more highly of Houston than I do right now because they're just, they're still in my mind, so undervalued as a basketball program and as just a team in general. Now you said, yeah, okay. So they've got some concerns with Sasser, maybe shot selection and whatnot, but it's all there for Houston in my opinion. And I think you're completely right. Like at this point, are, are, do you think they're best team in the country, Shark? Is that what you're getting at? Absolutely. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I don't think I would disagree with that either at this point. You guys are killing me. You're stealing all of my content here because every year around this point, we say to ourselves, uh, "Well, this is the clear cut best team in the country," or "Well, there's no really no super superstar team." Uh, that is probably the case right now. There's probably not one team that's separated themselves a crazy amount. You can make the argument for UConn who just beats the hell out of teams. You can make the argument. And to be fair, like UConn beat Alabama, Houston lost Alabama at home. So like UConn, I should, I I pull back on my absolutely right there because there's no reason why I shouldn't be UConn. Strength of schedule is still a bit of a question for UConn. Uh, I will, I will say that I confidently uh, will say that Houston's the best team of the country, in my opinion. Uh, Sasser, like I said, I think he's going to start to find his groove and they need him to quickly. And the balance for Houston is incredible. But right now I'll, I'll entertain Purdue and UConn as some challengers to Houston, but based off of what we saw last year with the Cougars, even two years prior and entering this season. And now after beating Virginia, uh, in Charlottesville, I'm still okay with saying Houston's the best team in the country. I think a lot of people sort of lost their shorts after that Bama game, and we live in a reactionary world. Never really got off of the Cougars being the best team in the country. One other note regarding the Cavaliers, Ben Vanderplas, the Ohio transfer. He's actually been really good this season. Awful, awful game uh, against Houston. He went 0 for 7 and 0 for 6 from 3. My brother in Christ, that is all you are out there to do. If you cannot give me a bucket, if you cannot hit hit shots, I think he had one assist, the epitome of that Tony Snell line. He was out there getting cardio. Cannot do that against a really, really good Houston team and expect to win. So as we record this, Sue, you're no less than 20 minutes away from tw- from tweeting theater in stores as UConn is down by seven to Georgetown currently at home. Not wow. saying that's how it's going to end up. I know we're mid-program here, so we can't really make any, you know, determination on how that's going to turn out. But this whole this whole argument might be solved by the time that this is posted in the morning. Yeah, at the very least, it could get a Vince McMahon tweet. So while I do that, the Vince McMahon, you know, look peering over like, oh, there's something interesting happening over there in stores. So uh, while I do that, let's go ahead and get to some bets. It's please, sir. I want some more. Please, sir. I want some more. Shark, we'll start with you. Actually, let's do a quick recap. Excuse me, quick recap. Uh, Taylor, awful week last week. Uh, I, I hate to say it, but uh, Shark, a little bit of a comeback here. You go two and one. Gonzaga minus one uh, hits. Houston plus one. Obviously, we just talked about them hits. Ohio State minus one. That probably should have hit uh, if it weren't for Pete Nance and some heroics uh, for the Carolina Tar Heels. Taylor DePaul plus one loses to Duquesne. Maryland minus one and a half against UCLA. 
I mean, we may just have to put you in timeout as a result of not even being that score. Not even close. Yeah, not that was close. like a 40 point game at one point. And then Western Kentucky minus seven uh, against the then winless Louisville Cardinals. Should Obviously, we call out? Uh, should we call out friend of the program, Alf? By the way, Chris Alfin. As he, as, as he emphasized to us on Twitter, Western Kentucky minus seven is free money. Oh no! So yeah. that was that was buzzer beaters, I think. Oh yeah, you're right. That's my bad. That's well, well, mistaken identity. That's my bad. Yeah, yeah. That clearly no free money was had from that one. Yeah. So you guys are both now sitting at five and four on the season. Shark, let's get your picks for this week. I mean, no shout out for the for my video that I made my Saturday slate with the white Lotus music. I put a lot of time and effort into that. I know I'm not very technically skilled, but you're right that all three of those should have hit. Ohio State had that one in the bag, and Nance. Oh, I know we didn't talk about this game when, when we planned to, but. That one is going to sit with me for a while. I had to track it in the Uber on the way home, and then I walk in and watch overtime, and it was pretty much a done deed at that point. I still like Ohio State. Need McNeil to hit, knock down a few more threes, but Sense of is the real deal. <coughs> oh, God, I had to just cough right there. All right, we're going into this next week. Um, only going to have one blind line, and I'm going to pick two on Wednesday night. So we're starting to get somewhat of a feel for this, but we're not having turned into the new year just yet. My first pick is going to be a weird one. Normally I like going power five conferences, but I want to pick this team. Ohio is playing against Delaware. Now Delaware just had a huge victory. Jameer Nelson's kid had a tip in at the buzzer. Delaware, you know, they're riding a high, but Ohio, these guys are tested. They've played a tough schedule so far. They played Michigan. They played Belmont. They got pounded every which way by Florida. And they're somehow getting three points against Delaware. So I want to take the tested team in Ohio. I'm going to roll with them. Next, going late, I'm venturing into your territory with a team that you guys are familiar with, Utah, baby. The Utah Utes are playing at home against TCU. Now, I know TCU is tough. I know they have a good record. I know they're ranked, but they have not played a road game yet, my brother. So in playing in Utah, as Arizona fans are aware, is not the easiest thing in the world. Utah is a well-coached basketball team. Brendan Carlson can put it in the bucket. Raleigh Wooster. Looks like he should be a lumberjack somehow playing point guard in college basketball. I like Utah. I liked them a little bit last year, but they're a little bit more cohesive. And they're, they've, I, I think they're nine, seven and one at home. One of those wins against Arizona. So yeah, let's see you go prove it on the road, Jamie Dixon. I'm going to take Utah getting one point, Utah plus one. And my final one is going to be a Thursday night. Got to do the blind line. These things haven't been laid out just yet, but I'm taking Illinois. They're playing Missouri. I just don't like Missouri, I'll tell you. I, I I looked at them. We were on this when they played Kansas in that game that everyone was hyping up. But And Missouri just had a huge come from, They almost choked in the second half against UCF. And then they hit a buzzer beater. I forget who the guy was, but it was the transfer that came in from Gates. Um, I think uh, I'm losing the name right now. It'll come back to me at some point. Uh, Golston. Golston was the guy. But anyways, they just ride that win. Well, now you get Brad Underwood. And Underwood is going to play. I think the game's a neutral one in St. Louis. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take Illinois blind lines in my three picks. Ohio plus three against Delaware. Utah plus one against TCU. And then Illinois blind line against Mizzou. Let's see if if TCU can eradicate some of their Pac-12 nightmares. Taylor, who you got? Let's see if you can bounce back here. Give us some winners. No doubt. If a 3-0, then an 0-3. As Shark did tell us this week, that last Wednesday night, line though those lines were 
there's a reason Shark didn't show up to put his bets in last last Wednesday. Let's let's put it that way. They were a little tough. Uh, we've got the receipts for that too. Uh, no, terrible performance on my part. But you know, sometimes you have bad games. Sometimes you have good. And that's what Dude, we're gonna bounce. Don't back feel on. bad about. It. At least you're putting yourself out there. Unlike our host over here, who just likes to, you know, be a little <laughs> be a little bookkeeper over there. He can't. He's afraid to make one bet. I don't bet. I'm pure. Oh, yeah. Okay. I judge you guys. All right, yeah. You're you're what, you can make a pick. You know, you don't even have to make a wager on this. Well, first of all, that's let's let's take it a step back. You know how much money I spent in our World Cup uh, pool, and also you know I did make that bet have having to wear a coonskin hat uh, during the first day of the NCAA tournament as a result of that Tennessee win over Arizona last year. So look, it's few and far between. Maybe once every four years, but I'd do it. Did one of our uh, one of our listeners, our valiant. Uh, regular listeners who which one of those guys won the world cup pool oh it was benzy yeah benzy uh, yeah of course of course it was good for him all right anyway let's hop in here so we're gonna roll into a team that i think we're all down on versus a team i think we're all up on and that's st john's at villanova i'm gonna take st john's a three and a half point underdog uh who we i've already three episodes deep on admitting that four episodes ago I was wrong on Villanova. Um, St. John's 11 and one good ball club. I think we all know that uh, going to Villanova. I'm going to take them plus three and a half. Uh, love that line personally. Um, then we're going to go to Austin, Texas, clearly dealing with a lot of shit there in Austin, this Texas basketball team, Louisiana Lafayette, the raging Cajuns 10 and one on the year. And they're 18 point underdogs against Texas. I feel like Texas is clearly going to win this game. I feel like 18 is quite a bit uh, given everything that Texas is, is kind of going through right now. Uh, I know they bounced back well this last week, uh, you, you know, after that game against rice, but I'm going to take the raging Cajuns plus 18 at Texas. And then I'm going to go to uh, a game. That's two close friends of our program here. And that's St. Mary's at Wyoming. Wyoming is a 9.5 point underdog to St. Mary's. I like St. Mary's. I like Wyoming. You know, I, I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, Hunter Maldonado missed a handful of games there, which is why Wyoming's record looks uh, as it does. Um, you know, we talked about elevation. Same thing with Utah going up mile plus high there into Wyoming. I think I'm going to take Wyoming plus nine and a half against the Gales of St. Mary's. So that's, like I said, Wyoming plus nine and a half over St. Mary's, Louisiana Lafayette plus 18 against Texas and St. John's plus three and a half against Nova. Like to make a quick point. I have not sold my stock yet on Villanova. I said they were off to a rough start, but I wanted to see them fully healthy and see what they're doing in Big East play. This is going to be a big test. Got Cam Whitmore back. They're they're trending upwards. All right. So I'm, just hang tight. I want to see Villanova at full strength. I mean, you made you made that excuse for Hunter Maldonado in Wyoming. I want to do the extend the same courtesy for Villanova. Totally, totally. All right, boys. Uh, let's go ahead. Last couple things. Get out of here on good things. Hmm? All right, good things. Shark. My good thing, you know. First of all, Taylor picking picking a good thing I had a couple of weeks ago in St. John's. As you guys know, it's the best team Mike Anderson's had, according to the New York Post. Uh, but my good thing this week, and this is not necessarily well-timed, but this is a – it's like betting on a stock, all right? This thing is going to pop up later on. Utah State, all right? They just lost to Weber State. They choked their 
faces off in the second half. They should have won that game. But let me tell you something about Utah State. 54 in Ken Palm, 34 in offense. They are a top 10 team in total points per game this season. They had this guy, write it down, Stephen Ashworth. All right, 18 points per game. He's shooting 54% from three. These guys light it up. All right, so everyone remembers South Dakota State last year. Everyone said, oh, the best three-point shooting team in the tournament, best three-point three point shooting team in the tournament. You know, Blair or Schlossen Ford, whatever his name is. This is going to be that team this year. Utah State, they are the best three-point shooting team in the country, just like South Dakota State of last year. They score a ton. They should win several games right now until they have to go and play at Boise State on January 7th. So, you know, it's going to be a dogfight in the Mountain West, as we all know. But I think Utah State is finally, you know, a, a unique team, kind of like that Sammy Merrill team where they're going to shoot a lot of threes. You know, you want to know who their coach is, Father? Can you come over here for a second? You want to know who their coach is? It's Ryan Odom. You know who he coached? UMBC. You know what they did? They won as a 16 seed against Virginia. So I'm buying stock in this Utah State program. It is not, you know, the boring old one that they used to have. They have a ton of shooters. They've won at San Francisco. They won at San Diego. They'll win in every single California city, wherever you give them the opportunity to. So I like this team and Utah State. You have my attention. Um, you know, sorry about the loss to Weber State. I, I'm glad you acknowledged that because when you texted me your good thing, I I was thinking, I was like, does he know? I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he knows enough hoop to realize that the timing on this might be a little uh, No, I off, know. And, but I, I'm yeah, just glad. Well, right. Much like what you're doing with Villanova, when you're saying, all right, don't give up on Villanova just yet. Utah State, hire Ken Palm the Villanova right now. Keep that in your back pocket. Hey, they were undefeated. You going, to, that we were you going to any holiday party? You going to any holiday parties? You can drop a couple of those nuggets on you know, whoever you're talking to at a holiday party. They may I think will. you're a freak show, but yeah, you can do it <laughs> I got Big Doyle actually. I'll tell him you said hello, uh, Taylor. Good things. Hey, what are you for? What are you doing for the holidays? Oh, not much. Hey, have you seen this Utah State basketball program though? Yeah, that's gonna play well at, mo- at most of your average holiday parties, especially in Ohio too. So, also Utah State talking about the World Cup. I, I would imagine that most people don't really realize that the United States men's national team completely stole Utah State's like chants 100%. and shit like that from 15 years ago, which shows you everything you need to know about United States men's national team is that they stole a small school in Utah from a guy named wild bill. And that's Bill's where they got legend. Yeah, good, good dude. Good dude. Um, anyway, so my uh, good thing isn't 100% college basketball related, but anyone who listens to this program is obviously a call a basketball fan in general. Uh, the Phoenix Suns right down the street from me here just got sold, or at least there's an agreement that's rumored to be in place uh, to be sold from uh, Robert Sarver, who's kind of an asshole, right, to uh, Matt Ishbia. Uh, and why this relates to our program is is Matt Ishbia uh, played for three seasons as a walk-on at Michigan State under Tom Izzo, went to three Final Fours, won a national championship, and surprisingly, as I looked it up today, made 48 appearances at Michigan State. That's a lot for a walk-on that's well past the we're just coming in in um garbage time scenarios uh taking that even further he was actually a grad assistant uh for tom Izzo uh after his time there so why i bring this up is because i think it's a good thing when basketball people buy basketball teams uh that means in theory they're gonna care about the product and not just view it as an investment 
I'd at least like to think that maybe I just have my rose colored glasses on, but I do enjoy that a, an actual college basketball player is now the uh, owner to come here for the Phoenix Suns. So I know that using a billionaire as an example of my good thing isn't necessarily the best good thing we'll have all year, but I, I do like that a basketball guy is buying a basketball team. We'll see what direction the Suns uh, go with him owning the team. I'm actually going to stay in the Valley for my good thing. ASU got to call, got to give them credit, man. Rank 25. Uh, the, the latest AP poll does, does come out and they are sitting there ranked at 25. Never in my wildest imagination. Uh, would I think that this year coming off of the abhorrent season they had last year, that they would even be ranked at any point uh, this year, but credit to Bobby Hurley. And he's doing a lot of this without Marcus Bagley. And there's been some tumult. There's been some uh, back and forth on Twitter, between those two, well, not really Bobby, but certainly from Bagley's perspective. But ASU climbing into the rankings, their only loss to Texas Southern, which was really bad, but they should probably be undefeated at this time. Uh, they were predicted to finish in the bottom half of the conference. I think they have put themselves in a wonderful position to be a top four team, right? I think everyone knows that it's going to be Arizona or UCLA at the top. And then after that, it could be a combination of like Utah, of ASU. Maybe Oregon, uh, USC's kind of turned the corner a little bit, but ASU, I think, has really surprised and shown a lot of people uh, that they're pretty good. Uh, and and we're talking about them in here in December as, you know, if the season ended today, they'd be in the tournament. I don't even know if, and again, it's pretty early. I don't know if at the beginning of the season, you told me in December, they're going to be ranked. I would have called you crazy. So Good thing for ASU. They're still somehow sort of flying under the radar, and I'm happy for them, honestly. I'm going to cut it there, go rinse my mouth out with some with some mouthwash, brush my teeth a little bit, uh, get get that off of my breath. But I had to do it. So I'm yeah. just going to – I I'm can't believe gonna, you just did that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go even one further, and this is something that will never, ever be repeated on this program again, but they should probably be ranked even higher than they are despite the fact that Texas Southern, they lost to Texas Southern. Because if any other team had beaten the teams, not that they played the toughest schedule in the world, um, but if any other team that had started off ranked had beat the teams and had the schedule that they had, you know, beating uh, Michigan, Creighton, you know, Arizona moved up a significant amount for beating Creighton. Yeah. And I'm never, ever fucking saying that again. So <laughs> I'm going to go wash my mouth out as well. Yeah, well, let me harken back to the Sharks. Uh, comparison earlier in this episode, India and Kashmir, ASU, Arizona. All right. Maybe we're not so different. I, mean, you and I, maybe, I, maybe. I, cho- I chose lay that down the weapon, get up, come up with your own metaphor over there. All right. India, cat, India, Pakistan on Kashmir. That's Tennessee, Arizona. Fans, all right. Go get something new. All right. Uh, let's get on out of here with some good news. All right, guys, I want to share our, 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 the numbers and results all the hard work that we did. I know you guys are eager to get back to your family, spend the holidays with them, but humor me a little bit. All right. I want to quiz you. I want to do a quick little game show. You enjoying that music? Good. All right. Let's dive into it. All right. I did the, the Spotify wrapped for the podcast and I got some pretty encouraging, what I thought were encouraging, neat little figures. So again, uh, chime in when you think you know the answer. There's no order or anything like that. I'm not going to keep score. That's what uh, the picks are for. But we'll start here with the first one. How many minutes of new content did we create this year? Take a stab. 
I'm going to go with 3,500. Okay. 3,501. <laughs> wow. Talk about prices, right? Programming here. I know, right? 2,540 minutes okay. of us just yeah. babbling, chatting, talking to some great guests. 2,540 here uh, of, of your minutes were dedicated to this, as depressing as that That's might sound. Not- I'm not, I thought this was supposed to be good news. I could have learned a new language or something. Read a book. Oh, you're into, you're into, uh, uh you know, I'm, you know, now. I'm well, you know, I'm well read. All right. Don't uh, go. You right. read the post. All right. Yeah. Uh, Hey, how many countries were we heard in and what were the top three? I actually didn't get the fourth. They didn't tell me top three countries we were heard in. You should get the first one. U.S. Yeah. yeah okay. All right. Well, there you go. That's a start next trying to think of some of the people interviewed where they were at. I'm going to take a stab and say Greece. Taylor, number two. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking along similar lines. I feel like Spain's got to be in there, maybe. All right. Well, keep mentioning Kashmir. It was actually India. Oh. <laughs> India, number two. Most likely I wonder, one of my relatives. I wonder who had that connection of this group. Yeah. <laughs> Most likely one of my relatives. And then number three, you got uh, go to Europe but not those two countries that you mentioned somewhere in the UK. Cause I was there for a little bit and maybe listen to the some podcast while I was there. No, not the UK. I, would I, know say a, I know that's not a country. Sorry. Go ahead. Germany. It's actually Portugal. And I was thinking to myself, who the hell was listening to us in Portugal? Uh, I can almost assure you that it's our good buddy and great listener, uh, Rob Moran, who was in Portugal vacationing when we, <laughs> Uh, when, when we interviewed a certain guest, uh, Frank Martin, boy, of course, boy, the fact that he's listening to us in Portugal, I don't know what that says. If that says more about us or him, Oh, it was Frank Martin. That's his coach. He's a UMass guy. So it doesn't matter where he was, but yes, USA, India and Portugal. Hey, who was, or which, which episode was our most popular episode? Dive it. Give me a guess. Taylor, did you have a guess? I mean, I would say it was that Frank Martin program. It, I, Shark. I will go with Jared Grosso. Frank Martin. It was yeah, the Martin I mean, episode. I mean, he, he did retweet it out and clearly has a significant number of followers. So Yeah. Uh, so we want to thank him and all the other guests as well. Here's the question. We had 293% more listeners compared to... Can I just say I was too slow off the jump on that because um, I can't help but this is happening right now. UMass has like six people in their crowd right now. So I, I just have to say that they always go at BC for having no fans. I mean, my gosh, look in the mirror for me one time. Sorry for interrupting your sentence. No, that's okay. More more listeners than folks in attendance is what you're trying to say. Is what yeah, we true, had. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. All right. We had. 293% more listeners compared to our average week during what week this year? Give me a date range. Hmm. Basically, what was the most listened to week? Uh, it had to have been late February, early March, because we were churning out a couple of week. I actually think that it might be uh, during the summer sometime when we had a lot of good interviews that, that you set up Subi. So maybe like a, like an, like a mid July, which is not college basketball time, but I feel like you pulled a lot of great, uh, great interviews in that time period. 
Taylor, that's very kind of you to say, but the shark is correct. The exact dates were March 13th to March 19th, the height of the tournament, which I I'd still am coming to grips with the fact that I'm actually going to be at a wedding during Sweet 16 weekend this upcoming year. It's Oh, it's, my God. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that week was a huge week, as you can imagine. Everyone's and you, trying and to you know that, that Tennessee and Arizona are going to meet in, like, the Elite Eight that week, right? Like that's going to be how this is going to go down, right? I'll have my phone fully charged. Uh, this is kind of funny. What is our, if you were to describe our listeners podcast personality in one word, what would it be? And this is something coming from Spotify. They, they describe this. Mm -hmm. Degenerate. (laughs) Not bad shark. You got any, any vocabulary? theater uh, i don't know i don't know what you would say the enthusiast uh when their favorite podcast releases a new episode they're amongst the first to know going above and beyond to show their support this could just very well be a uh i don't know coverall or generic response a lo- but a lot of repeat customers is what you're saying our fans are enthusiastic uh last question before i just end it on a couple of other notes what percentage of our listeners discovered us in 2022 Let's let's try and do some math here. So if one of our episodes was 300% better than. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's related at all. Throw out a number. I'm going to say 60. So we have over half of our listeners this year are new listeners. Shark. Um, I would say I I agree with going high. I would put it closer to seven. Uh, Let's go 70%. Shark, if this was Price is Right, you'd win. It was 93% which kind of Woo-hoo-hoo! makes me wonder what the hell were we doing last year, but yeah. welcome to that 93%. So Thank you we were, we were us. building a foundation. Continuing to build. I like that. Continuing to build. Uh, I appreciate you guys humoring me. Uh, last couple of little stats. We were up 197% in streams up 148% in listeners up 120% in hours and up 84% in followers. And then we were a top 10 podcast for 46 fans. I want to, I want to meet these 46, a top five podcast for 30 fans and the number one podcast for nine fans. So I think those were all worth mentioning. Uh, and I want to thank you boys for a great year. All right. So does this mean we should, we should listen. If you're deciding where to listen, listen on Spotify from now on. Cause I get just on Spotify. This is just on Spotify, right? That's true. That's true. Strictly on Spotify. I, lo- yeah, I like to go back and forth. Sometimes I turn it off when Taylor starts talking a lot, but I'll, yeah. pick. we got to pick a platform and stick with this baby. Well, no, I mean, you want it on all the different platforms. If, if Apple iTunes can give me a wrap, I'd love that. Yeah. Put a little platform in my hair when I'm having a bad day. I'm with you. All right, boys, we're going to get on out of here. Enjoy your holiday. Thank you again for the great year. Uh, and we'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.